Hello, welcome to another episode of Tall Hungry Girl Talks. After a brief hiatus, I am back and better than ever. Uh, The creative juices are flowing and I am excited to present to you today an interview about imposter syndrome with Anne-Marie Johnson from Bitter Grace Boutique in Washington, D.C. We explore how she opened a business in the midst of COVID and the ups and downs and doubts that she had during that process. We also talk about some of the doubts that she and I have both had over the years Uh, professionally and personally. This interview was recorded uh, earlier this week at her business in Washington, D.C. And just a quick program note, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate it and share it with a friend. Uh, There's nothing better than, than natural organic growth and getting this out to as many people as possible. And it's the best thing that you can do to help out a growing podcast and an entrepreneur. So thank you in advance for that. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Part of the genesis, you know, in addition to the conversations that you and I have had over the course of our friendship is that I have these like really deep conversations with so many of my friends in this area who are so extremely successful, but doubt themselves. And I have also, you know, experienced this issue where it's like, it doesn't matter how many accomplishments you have, you're still questioning what your worth is. And do I really deserve this? And, you know, maybe I just got here because I'm lucky. Um, I think for me, I've been a writer for like 10, 15 years. And yet I still doubted myself that I was actually a writer. Like I would go back and read my articles over, you know, my various articles. I have, you know, hundreds of published articles and, and I had to do that in order to convince myself, yes, to hear you are actually a writer. You are not a fraud (laughs) because I was comparing myself to, you know, New York times writers and like, you know, because I was only doing it on the side. And so it brought me to this point of, of wanting to learn more about imposter syndrome and what are these feelings that I'm having? Why am I doubting myself? And it turns out that it's actually a real thing. Imposter yeah. syndrome, um, in doing a bunch of research for, um, for this episode, uh, it was first discovered uh, by two psychologists. Um, they first identified it in 1978 uh, by... Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, and an estimated 70% of people feel this over, you know, the course of their lifetime. And essentially it's the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your talent or qualifications. Um, And you and I, I mean, you've helped me with this so much. um, And this episode is, you know, poignant for me because I haven't done a podcast episode since November because I was having these feelings of like not feeling good enough, not feeling like people were, you know, would care to listen or, you know, that I was actually a journalist. And so, um, you know, this is, this is a labor of love. And I think that when you share your knowledge and try to heal others in return, you end up healing yourself. Um, my career coach that I recently hired, Natalie, I you know, shared that wisdom with me. So it is not original, um, <laughs> can't take credit. Um, but in, in the research that I did, it 
basically it pointed to five types of imposter syndrome. And I'm sure that many of you out there when I'm reading these will say, oh, that's me. So first we have the perfectionist. These are high performer, performers who pride themselves on producing the highest caliber of work. They tend to micromanage and have a hard time delegating. If that's not you, I'm sure that you know someone like that or that you've worked with someone like that and they've probably driven you crazy. Um, the expert, these are kinds of people feel like they've tricked their way into their position and that they don't deserve it. Uh, the rugged individual, the soloist, these kinds of people don't like asking for help. Um, they pride themselves on holding the weight of the company on their shoulders. The superwoman or man, this is a person with a can-do attitude who is prone to pushing themselves to their limits. These kinds of people feel the need to constantly prove themselves over and over again. And then we have the natural genius. This person has genetics on their side. They're naturally smart and talented, but have difficulty facing challenges out of their expertise because it makes them feel stupid. So just kind of, you know, having a baseline knowledge because, um, you know, we were talking with, you know, people in our crew about imposter syndrome and one of the guys had never heard of it. And <laughs> perhaps he's experienced feelings of that, but not necessarily known that there was a label attached to it. Um, and so, you know, the reason why I wanted to talk to Anne Marie is because when we met in 2018, we sat down and she said, I want to start a boutique and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And literally she has done that and more. Um, and I am constantly and consistently inspired by her, but this journey has not been easy for her. And she's had a host of emotions in that process. And so I wanted to talk to her about some of those emotions that she's dealt with during the process of starting her own business and really put that in the, you know, talk about imposter syndrome in the context of, you know, someone's life and, you know, what those feelings are and the daily habits that you've developed and that we can all develop to, you know, kind of push these feelings away and, and, you know, look at more things from reality versus our anxieties. So, <laughs> um, can you tell me what led you to the decision to start your own brand? to start your own company, your own boutique and the Inner Elegance brand. Yeah. Well, the fact that we met two years ago seems unreal because yes. it seems like it's been 10 years. I know. A lot can fast happen. Fast friends. How, yeah, Very time, fast friends. Time flies. Yeah. And a lot can happen so quickly. And that's why it's so important to take advantage of every opportunity. And I've always been that. It's everything is sort of an urgency, but yeah, you don't, you have one life to live and you don't take that for granted, but. Cause you went from project manager. Yes. To business owner. Yes. So. 24 hours. How did, yeah. So, I mean, working a ton. So how did you like extract yourself out of like the government contracting world mm -hmm. to, you know, what pushed you to that, to make that decision? Yes. And so when I met you two years ago, it was, I was at a point where I was where my job and the job that I was in was no longer expanding me. And what I mean by that is I was no longer challenged. I felt undervalued. And I've always known within me that I was destined for something different, something yes. greater. And that somehow did not, ha what I had imagined did not, did not picture myself being in an office or behind the desk 
not the traditional employer, you know, that, that route where you, I was just a nine to fiver. Yeah. Staring at a screen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, at the same time, I also was in my early stages of personal development, my own personal transformation journey, where I started to question my limiting beliefs, such as, okay, I invested in an education, my, my bachelor's degree, my master's degree. Does that mean I always had this idea that I, I was supposed to work, what everybody else was doing, you know, uh, that kind of investment is not something that you can easily, oh, I'm just going to start my own business. Yeah. You know, screw that. You know, and it's not something when everybody else around you are doing the same thing. You know, we live in Washington, D.C. And so consulting, government was something that I thought was my life path. And um, I really quickly realized that it was what I thought people wanted for me. And uh, I really started to question those. And is that is it true that just because I invested in an education that my only options were to have a job and to make money, even though I didn't feel fulfilled mm -hmm. or to the next option was I was subconsciously noticing that I was applying for similar jobs, but I didn't even know what I, why I was applying for those yeah. jobs. Similar jobs, meaning government contracting Correct. jobs. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I really was in that point in my life where, okay, none of these beliefs that I thought were true were indeed true, right? My, those were not my only options, that there are many other options if you just, if I just followed my heart. Mm -hmm. And so that really was the start of it all, was questioning and being, getting curious around that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's why investing in yourself is so important. And I urge those of you to invest in a mentor or a coach or surround yourself with people that truly elevate you because that was really the start of that journey for me. But it was also at a point where we all have our threshold. And I was at a point where I was no longer going, no longer going to tolerate being in a job that was no longer serving me. Yeah. And for those, I, I know that a lot of people are joining us on video. Um, our partnership. So we're also doing pu publishing this episode on my podcast. And so, you know, for the listeners on the podcast, you can't see this, but we are sitting in this big, beautiful store that Anne-Marie, you know, completely gutted the space, designed it, you know, with her and her husband. And so going from, you know, a project manager to like, you know, the realization of your dream, but what was the kind of the, the click that you said, okay, I want to, I want to start a boutique. I want to start this inner elegance brand. What was, you know, you had these like visions of, of wanting to do something different, why why a clothing boutique? Well, I've always I've always had pictures in my mind of a curated shop uh, that is a culmination of clothing, self care, and home care, and uh, that was beyond clothing. And we're actually sitting here. We launched our flagship store. We're here in Capitol Hill three months ago, and as you can see, as I'm sort of you know kind of scanning the room, it is a culmination of that exact image. And I wanted, I've always wanted this desire to combine my interest for fashion with being able to help others. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time, I didn't know what that looked like. <laughs> now I do. And um, that's the beauty about being in this creative role and journey that there's an evolution to that. And especially when it's something that I've never done before, it's a new business, really is representative of my own personal journey. And uh, 
this this mission behind Bitter Grace about the concept of self-image, investing in ourselves beyond clothing, because it was what brought me to this moment. It wasn't until I was ready to begin doing that inner work and getting curious around some of those limiting beliefs that were holding me back, mm -hmm. did I really begin to see transformation? And I'm still going through that. I'm yeah. still every it's it's not something that you can kind of wrap in a bow and, and be overnight. like, okay, we're done. Right. It's, this it's, is it's, it's an infinite yeah. journey. And yeah. um, I think once you can accept that, it just makes things easier. And mm -hmm. um, it's really about changing some of those perceptions that were ones I thought were true that were. So what yeah. did you, I mean, like you say, like changing perception and stuff. What were, what was some of the, the inner work that you did to change those perceptions? Like my career coach made me write down, <laughs> yes. like what you, what you, what have you accomplished to here? Like, what are some of the things that you have accomplished? So you can literally see on paper, like, oh yes, I have done this. Like, Yes. And, 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 and so it becomes harder to argue with reality. Yes. And, and, and one of them was the hardest part. And I transitioned out of my full-time job not too long ago. It was the hardest, I call it the terror barrier. It was the hardest wall to break through. And it was terror was, barrier. <laughs> like, I ah, was, it was incredible hope. Get yes, me out of here. <laughs> yes. It was this big wall that I never thought I would be able to get through because I launched Bitter Grace online two years ago, and I was doing both, managing both for two years. Yeah. For some time, yes, it served me because it, it, provided, it provided me the ability to, to support my business, but um, it took me getting this amazing space where I had no other choice but to move forward because it was one of those destiny moments where now or never, and... Um, it was one of those things too where I'm like, this is probably not the best idea because it's it, we we signed a lease during COVID. And those were some of those, you know, other self-doubts that we're, we'll talk about later. But um, it, it took this and elevating my business to this moment and having employees in place. It really is, when things happen right on time, it really is true because it really felt the right time to transition whenever Yeah, because we've was. been talking about it for a while and you're like, okay, I think yes. I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. And yes. then you broke through the terror barrier. Yes. And, and, and when it comes to the job, it's, it was that. It was, that was the first limiting belief. Uh, is this my only option? Do I, yes. is staying in a job that you don't feel fulfilled or challenged, was that really my only option? Mm -hmm. The answer was no. Yeah. And really just throwing, peeling through all those irrational you know, logic that yeah. I thought were true. It's yeah. my only option to apply for another project management position because I was certified and that was my, my experience. Yeah. The answer is no. And so once I started getting comfortable challenging some of those, I started to challenge other things that were really limiting me, such as being a business. I've never done this. I've never, I don't have a background in fashion. <laughs> never been a personal stylist. Yeah don't know terminologies. I've never ran my own business, never had employees. Yeah. But because fear and anxiety can be so paralyzing. They, right. they have been for me. I mean, that's why it's been, you know, almost four months since I didn't start my own podcast. But one thing that I admire about you is that you're like, Tahira, do a journal, write these things down. I mean, is that kind of how you kept yourself, you know, moving forward was yeah. 
was like having a journal and like setting milestones for yourself? Yes. It's so different when you can write things down because when, when things give us a bit of anxiety or distress, it's always somehow deeply rooted to something that we've already accepted as, a, as, a, as the truth or an idea that is true to us. And when you start writing it down, it's tied to what you think is a problem or a crisis. And you simply sometimes, when you write things down, it's sometimes can be drilled down to just expressing yourself, being honest with yourself, and knowing that you're worthy of that, that relationship, that life, that career that you want, and communicating it. It's just a matter of communicating that to you or to someone because what seemed to be a problem or an issue doesn't seem so big. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, see, I see the value so much of writing things down and also speaking to yourself and being kind to yourself. Yeah. What you speak is so powerful than just simply thinking about it. Yeah. So I have had moments where I'm like, whenever my fear manifests itself at like 2 a.m. I don't know why that always happens. That is a I will wake up, um, you know, I was contemplating a move to the West Coast and, and every night for like two weeks, I would wake up and be like, oh my gosh, can I do this and wake, you know, have all of these feelings and yes. stuff. Did you have feelings of like, oh crap, I'm really doing this. Can I do this? Like what were, what were some of those, you know, feelings and fears and stuff that you were having as you were transitioning? Yeah, I would, I would say daily. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think that that's like a, a big point though, is that you can still do it afraid. Like that yeah. it doesn't like the fear doesn't necessarily go away. You just have to do it afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do it afraid. And you just have to have faith intelligently and, yeah. but you know prepare but yeah. yeah doing it with faith and purpose has been sort of my mantra and and going back to journaling really writing down what my why is and when you can take yourself out of the equation and understand for me building bitter grace and seeing the transformation that I've gone through that helped me get, get to this point and for me the key was really the inner work and that's why this holistic approach to self-image was so powerful in our in this evolution of bitter grace and this mission i wanted to create because i want others to experience the same thing mm -hmm. but yes in terms of crap um are times where i have i have my highs and lows within literally five minutes yes <laughs> and i'm crying i'm yeah. happy i'm excited I'm, I'm afraid and you'll reach a milestone and then like you know yes. something totally you know Yes. Horrible will go wrong at the yes. same time. Yeah. And as a business owner, there is a level of responsibility that I don't think I've experienced before. And when you have employees under you, it, there's just a, it's hard to explain, but there's people that count on you. And so that's been a little bit of a um, shift. Yes. For yeah. Because sure. you're not working for a company anymore. You yes. are the company. Yes. Yeah. So were there any moments that things went so wrong where it just felt like, things weren't aligning that you wanted to change your mind yes. and what did you <laughs> you're like it might still be happening no <laughs> and and to like what do you do like I, a support system is so important mm -hmm. to me like what did you do in those moments 
Where were you, Tahira? <laughs> Girl, um, we, we, we were talking on the phone. <laughs> um, yes, definitely. I mean, just this process, the, the acquisition of the space, we, you know, we were in the middle of COVID. In the middle, we were yeah. supposed to move in May. We didn't move until August. And there was a lot of delays with, you know, the city. And I was just so eager to make that jump because I was such an unhappy job environment. And, you know, I'm naturally very impatient <laughs> and believe that the, it must happen now. And um, it, it's looking back, it really was the right moment, you know, because number one, we needed to build out the space. There's no way we could have successfully opened a store uh, without building out the space. So that needed time. It took us at least two months. And so in hindsight, it was a good thing that we could not open. We were supposed to move in in May. We were supposed to open in August and we didn't open until October. But in hindsight, it was a good thing because we needed to do all those yeah. things. The, the building out the space, bringing people on board. Um, you mentioned Natalie. She was instrumental in de developing our employee handbook because that was so important to me to be able to set the foundation, set standards in place so that we can really build an amazing culture and workplace. Yeah, that and Natalie, yeah, Natalie is... I am known as the career coach who does, Through, yes. And, and the synergy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's another thing too, is that one thing that you and I have, we, we have kind of developed, we have exchanged so many different contacts with each other and really like, I don't want to say insulated, but surrounded ourselves with such a strong support system that, you know, in my coaching with Natalie, I hired her as my career coach after having her on my podcast because she's so amazing. She, you know, had to give me a pep talk last week during our call, you know. Yeah, she's really good at <laughs> And so I think that that's so much a part of like getting through imposter syndrome and putting those feelings away of having a network that can remind you and support you and be there for you yes. as we have been for each other. Yeah. Like, I'm not feeling like I'm worth it. And you're like, girl, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yes. And I had those moments when all the delays and we brought employees on board as early as August, we didn't open till October. So I was eating up payroll costs yeah. for at least two months. And those were the moments I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I, I can't sustain this. What am I mean? What am I supposed to do yeah. without any funding relief? And uh, we opened and everything was fine. <laughs> everything is always fine when you can sort of take things into perspective, um, writing it down. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you will always, it will always come to you. You know, you, you, you have options. You know, we figured it out, my husband, and it has to be number one. It's never easy starting your own business. Any, any business is difficult, especially during this time, mm -hmm. during the Or pandemic. starting anything new for that right. matter, you know? Yes. And for me, what, I, what really helped me in that moment is that I was willing to trade my life for it. Oh, wow. wow. I had accepted that already. Yeah. That no matter what happens, I still have my, I'm, I still have my background. Yeah. I'm, to this day, I'm still certified in my project management certification actually my pmp has served me more yeah. running my own business mm -hmm. than my previous job experiences <laughs> um and so to me it was it was that it was acknowledging you're like that. okay as long i know that i at least tried 
And mm -hmm. so you were probably, I think, I mean, just knowing you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but knowing you, it seemed like you were at a point in your life where you're like, I'd rather try and fail yeah. knowing that I can fall back on, you know, mm -hmm. you have a roof over your head, you know, you, you have your background and skills rather than just not going yes. for it and kind of, you know, yes. and even sitting in the regret. Yes. And even during those low moments of uncertainty, doubt, fear, not once did I ever wish I didn't make that decision of taking this leap of faith, taking this quantum leap. And I would never take it any other way. It's, it's, you have one life to live and I would rather do this and take the chance than be at the end of my life and have those regrets of not trying it out. Because we all have those images and pictures in our mind that sometimes we disregard or, hmm, yeah, that's that's nice, but that's that's nice. It's nice to dream, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, those images started coming up more. This image of creating and building this beautiful boutique. When I was going through those that time in my life where I was, I told myself enough was enough that I needed to make a change, because I I, I just had this pull in me that yeah. I was I needed to. It was now or never mm -hmm. that I needed to. Take the leap of Take faith. Leap of yeah. Faith. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things in doing, you know, the research for this episode was that, you know, a, that I learned and that I, I mean, I know intuitively just from my experience as a human, but that a sense of belonging fosters confidence and research has indicated that if you see people that look like you, the more confident you'll feel. Um, and the converse is true when you're surrounded by people unlike yourself then you won't feel as confident. So if you're at a boardroom where, you know, you're the only woman, then you won't feel as confident because there's not, you know, a, a person that may have shared experiences as you. Um, and that is like one of the influential factors and, in, you know, people having this imposter syndrome is, you know, um, just not like a shared, not being in an area where there's shared experience. How have like cultural or gender or have they at all mm -hmm. been an impact or have impacted you in the way that you think about things, the way that you view failure? Talk to me about that. Oh, my goodness. When you name that five, you know, the, the potential you could fall in one yeah. of those five roles. You mentioned the perfectionist and, <laughs> you know, that that totally I can co-sign on that. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, I'm a first generation immigrant raised by a single mom and don't have family in the DC area. It's just my mom, myself, and my younger brother. Uh, my brother and I reconnected with my mom uh, over 20 years ago. Um, I was 11 when I first uh, immigrated here to the US in the, in the Maryland area, actually. And my mom is not any different from the stereotypical tiger, <laughs> tiger mom. You know, I grew up in a household where I was encouraged, not encouraged, but told that I needed to be the best in everything, where I was criticized if I didn't get an A, uh, where I was, and, and I was the firstborn, so I think there's a certain, going, going into the gender roles, there's certain expectations, and I think my mom had her own challenges. She's also the, the eldest of six, female, so I think she had her own set, set of expectations for me versus my younger brother, and so I always had a level a higher level of standard for myself and there was always this level of striving for excellence at such a young age which i didn't really know what that meant but there was always this this push for that 
And um, when you grow up being a perfectionist, and, and to this day, it's served me so well in many areas as, as, an, as a business owner, as a leader, but in many ways, it doesn't, right? And when you're a perfectionist, the, the challenge is you, you struggle with being able to navigate with everyday life. Because the world is not perfect. Exactly. And nor is anyone else. Exactly. And nor are you, you know? And yes. so it's like there's no room for error. There's no room for grace. Right. Yeah. Yes, grace, which yeah. has been such a, a running theme throughout my <laughs> life since, you know, I started this journey. And, you know, you have to be able to be adaptive to to external uh, yeah. influencers there's a lot influences. of yeah. I mean COVID taught us that yes. right there's a lot of rigidity in in being exactly. perfect mm -hmm. and it, I mean there's just no I mean you just can't be it's impossible <laughs> yeah and I think that's the challenge and that's a challenge that I'm constantly working to bounce forward or overcome because you can't you know I mean life is full COVID things that, that are beyond your control is it's just when you try to control those moments, it's just you kind of lose sight of, you know, yeah. the being able to create and being able to attract the things and people in your life. Um, and so for me, being a perfectionist, that definitely played a role in how I perceive failure. I mean, today it's a little bit different, um, but 10 years ago, I mean, if you talk to me, I could not welcome I did not welcome constructive criticism I wasn't wasn't very good about it in my 20s and uh, I every little every little thing I would beat yourself up and when you beat yourself up over and over again and you do that daily God knows how many times I was doing that daily how that chips away from your level of confidence yeah. from your self-esteem your mm -hmm. worth and how how and, and and subconsciously doing that the things that we're not conscious of doing are the most can be the most detrimental. Yeah, because they're repetitive actions, right? Habitual. That you're not even aware of, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because hearing you say that, I think I've been the, the opposite of a perfectionist my whole life. Yeah. I'm just like a little bit of a like a, a painting that's like someone's like wiped across. Like I like a little bit of. I mean, my house is always clean, but I just like a little bit of like color and mess to my life and like you know, going back to high school, I was a complete and total misfit. I, my GPA was not higher than 3.0. I did not get into college. And I always tell this I story. That. Yeah. I always tell this story because, um, you know, now I'm on the board of directors. I've said this during my podcast, or if you've already heard this, but for the new listeners, I think this is important to know is that now I'm on the board of directors for the alumni association. Um, and, you know, I, you know, eventually I went to community college for the first two terms and then transferred over to Oregon um, and did not miss a class my first term of my fall semester or trimester at U of O um, because I was absolutely intent on succeeding because I, and I think for me, I've almost been uncomfortable with success. Like I'm almost afraid of it, Interesting. like of, of my own capabilities and how big I could get because I mean I I think being a misfit was probably more of my comfort area when I was younger um and so for me it's like breaking through that like ceiling of being like well you can be better than this you can be bigger than this like you're not the 2.5 GPA you're not 
<laughs> you're not the girl that didn't get into college. Yeah. Um, and so it's like defined the, by those. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that was that happened when I was so young, when I was, yeah. you know, 17, when I was applying for college. And so but it's these like things I think that oftentimes happen in the developmental stages of our life that we really lock on to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to let go of them. Like, this is not my story. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting how we're on, like, we share, Opposite yes, topic. we share the, the, you know, the, some of the same, like, you know, anxieties goals, and fears yes, and goals, yes. whatever, but our issues are, you know, because you grew up in the West coast. Yeah. <laughs> it is different. I'm sure yeah. he didn't. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Coming here. I was like, Oh my God, why yeah. are all these people so high strung? I don't understand. Right. Why must they succeed at everything? <laughs> Can they just relax and like go to the beach and watch the sunset? Like, you know, it yeah. definitely, you know, going back to, I think there's so many cultural implications that cuts across gender and race and, you know, so. I, I mean, our environments play a tremendous influence, as you know, in, in our personality and our perception. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, I mentioned that I hired a career coach and... <laughs> plugging Natalie again. I just, you know, when you, when you're excited about something, yeah. so during, but there's a point in this, I promise. So during one of our calls, I told her about a job that I was applying for. And ultimately she told me I was playing it safe. And it was essentially a job that I had already had. I mean, it was a different, it was a different role at a different company, but it was a job that I already had, um, that I already done. And ultimately what we discovered is that I was worried about not being able to do the job because it, you know, it deemed too high of a level. Like I've been told for a few years now, you need to start applying for director positions. And I've never felt like comfortable, like, oh God, that's gonna, that means that everything's gonna fall on me and I haven't done all of these things. Um, and she made me write down all of the times that I had had a job and I didn't figure it out. Like if there was a task that I had to do, um, like, what name a time that you weren't able to figure it out and I was like oh well there was this one time when I had was like a temp and <laughs> I was a receptionist and I sucked and she was like okay that okay but so it turns out and I think that this is probably the case for many people it, it like it hadn't happened a lot of times like I think it can be hard starting a new job where you're learning you know a new skill set but why would you apply for a job that is the exact same that you had before? Talk about some times when you've had to kind of unbraid that irrational fear of like, okay, no, I can do this. Like you were a project manager. Surely you can like figure out how to manage a business. Yeah. Again, it, that happens daily. <laughs> and you know, I just literally have like this morning at eight 35. <laughs> I mean, it, but you know, that is just life, you know, uh, I, I don't think, we, we are ever free of, of fear, yeah. you know, and, and doubt. But I, the key is not staying in those moments for a long time. And, and most importantly, not, it's one thing to think about it, but it's another to let it influence and really dictate your decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, that's when it gets, gets to be more, uh, I don't want to say dangerous, but that's really when sort of yeah. your, your behavior, anytime your behavior is not in alignment of your, your reality. Your, yeah. yeah. And that's, it's, 
it's, it's that, that's when you are in those moments where, man, I want, why am I not getting that job or that salary I want or that relationship I really want? And, um, and, and so it's, it's, I always have to, you have to fight again, fight away and whatever it is, whatever that is that allows you to fuel, fuel that, and that desire or fill that cup. Yeah. That makes you, that reminds you. And that's why I love these segments and, and I love working with, with women and helping them through personal styling and just seeing, although it's such a short amount of time that we're together with them, seeing their personal transformation journeys. It's just, you can't put a price on that. And when I'm in those moments and I, I fuel my soul, it just reminds me of my why that my work and starting this business is exceeds beyond myself. And when we can do things with faith and purpose and know that we, you know, that our work, you know, do things with purpose and significance, that's when we're really the most impactful mm -hmm. and all those fear or doubt and goes away for me. Yeah. And um, a lot of it is, a lot of it is irrational. They're yes. not true. They're completely yeah. illogical. Like having to write down, you know, she writing, made me write writing it down for me. I yeah. journal quite yes. frequently. I know I, everyone has been telling me to journal my whole I life. I, I was one of those. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is not working. Why do people say that stuff? You know, but yes. yeah. And meditating and yeah. yes. Yeah, I know. I think I'm, I'm thankful that my willingness to walk into the unknown um, has always been greater than my fear. And, um, okay. So I want to, I have one more question. I want people to be able to walk away with yeah. like some habits and know that like these feelings may never go away, but you can help yourself, um, along, along the way, um, and improving them. But first, okay. So an article that I read again, I did a bunch of research for I this. I love it. I love it. Um, so it's important to remember that the imposter syndrome doesn't just disappear when you've reached your goals or achieved success, which I was like, what? <laughs> In fact, you just feel like a bigger fraud and that you have to work harder. So people, so people don't cat like call you out or, you know, figure that you're a fraud. It's a scary place to be because your success makes the fear of failing so much more threatening. So it's like for some people, the higher they rise, the farther, you know, it is to fall. Um, what, so kind of going to the solution part of this, tell us about like your daily habits of what you do. Yes. And, that and you can and, recommend. So yeah. journaling. Journaling. And if you, first of all, if you are feeling a lot of those moments of imposter syndrome, most likely you really need to work on the self, your self-image, right? Um, any, our, our physical reality, and I learned this, you know, just, and this is the beauty about COVID, being able to really do more of that inner work is always a reflection of our own personalities, our own internal self. And in order to really build the life that we want, a life that it, where you have the freedom to create without limits, um, the freedom to live abundantly, you have to be able to change who you are. You, it's a lot of work to create the life you want. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, you know, uh, I just, at ten, the past 10 months is when I started journaling. It's been instrumental. I, I, I really encourage, and you know, just give it a shot. I can't journal without 
meditative music behind me. Yeah. Without a, without a cup of hot coffee next to me. And the fireplace. Yes. You got to do what works Ambiance for you. Ambiance is nice. Ambiance yeah. is everything. And journaling. So always start with at least 10 things you're grateful for. I sometimes find myself writing 40 plus things I'm grateful for. Or to the point where I have to get my day going. Yeah. Um, and it just, what that does is just, it gives me a different perspective of the life I have, you know, the amazing things and people that I have in my life and that the things that we focus on and as human beings, we're just so naturally, we, we, we naturally focus and dwell on the, the negative stuff. Yeah. Cause problems require action, mm -hmm. gratitude. You have it, mm -hmm. you're appreciative. So it requires no action. And therefore sometimes it doesn't, you know, it it's not at the forefront of our brains, yes. you know, yes, it doesn't cost anything. So that to me is the first thing I do in the morning. Um, well, I set my intentions and I do gratitude. Um, I would focus on that one word, you know, I mean, I always encourage people to reassess and reevaluate regularly, but that one word that you want to be, you want to um, strengthen or become, I, I, for me, it's limitless because I don't, I didn't realize until I, you know, started questioning more stuff that I really, limited myself and boxed myself into this thing. And that was throughout just how I grew up and the people I surrounded myself with. And that really is I, that knowing that I do have the power to create anything I want. And then the opportunity is already right in front of me. It's just a matter of recognizing that and doing things I love every day or making myself feel good every day to make sure that I'm on that level of vibration that allows me to recognize those things in front of me that allows me to manifest those things. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you do that more consistently, the sooner you're able to manifest those things quicker, quicker. Yeah. But journaling, um, I visualize at least five minutes and, uh, I call it visioneering, which I visualize my life five years from now, but not just from where I'm at five years from now, I visualize as if I'm already there. Oh. So I do that for at least five minutes and, it's okay. Don't put too much pressure on yourself because I struggled with it too. I'm like, I don't know what my day looks like five years yeah. from now. If I've, if I've gone to the point my, uh, of the business that I've, I'm creating, but you'll eventually get clearer on that as you get, as you get, as you do it daily. And as you get more obsessed about it, mm -hmm. because as human beings, we really live and operate by images. And if we just tune into that and focus on that, that's, you know, that's really how you can manifest and create things and make them reality. Yeah. Um, and then affirmations. I know it's people think, oh, okay, here we go. Like nothing <laughs> she's saying. It's like not, nothing that I've heard. But um, <laughs> affirmations are so important. Yeah. So and, your brain can connect. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it can just be anything. I mean, for me, my upbringing was I used to be ashamed about how I grew up. I, I didn't talk about that stuff until... I launched Better Grace and you can simply say, I am so happy and grateful now that I am leveraging painful, my painful memories and using them for opportunities for growth so that I can be a more impactful leader mm -hmm. for my team and the people I serve. Yeah. It can be simply that so that nothing in life, it's all about perception. It's not bad or good. I am so happy that I have the, I live the life I live because I wouldn't have better grace in the mission that we have today. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
those three things, simple, those are my non-negotiables and I can't go through my day without any of them. That's awesome. Well, I have a few tips too that I wanted yes, to share. I want to know. Yes. <laughs> From my research, obviously. <laughs> so in order to effectively deal with and break the cycle of imposter syndrome, you have to go deep. And this means you have to dig up your beliefs. You talked about yeah. that, about yourself and look at how your family and your tribe perceive you versus how you perceive yourself. So for me, this was not believing that I was actually a writer and, you know, everyone around me being like, oh, this was an amazing article. And like my parents being like, to hear this was a great article. And then con constantly asking for feedback from my editor. Like, so what do you think of this article? Like needing to be affirmed until I just finally had to click that on for myself. Cause really no one can convince you if you're not convinced yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously, true. <laughs> else we would just, you know, yeah, be perfect. Um, observing the thought versus engaging it. Mm -hmm. So like, I will um, be like, oh, hmm, I'm feeling particularly like crappy. Like I'm not like, why, like, why, you know, like what's okay. Let's just like, let this sit and not necessarily like getting obsessed. Don't with, make a big decision or a decision yeah, when you're in yeah, this moment. Yeah. 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 Um, and then like, is this reality? <laughs> so am I not really a writer? Uh, well, I'll go and look at all the articles I've written and no, it's not reality. I'm actually a writer. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think lastly, it's like support system. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs help in life. We don't get through this thing alone. Um, and the only way you grow is by learning from other people um, you know, you don't get knowledge just by experiencing life completely by yourself. You get knowledge from other people, from, you know, people that help you out. And so I think that it's, you know, part of that is accepting the help and, yes. and also the, and the fact that we don't know everything. So that's okay. Yeah. Focus on even the president of the United States doesn't know everything. They, they need their advisors too. just, you know, and we need our advisors in life too, to, to get knowledge from. So I love and, that. Yes. So I think that's a good place to to put a bow on yes. it. Yes. This was fun. I loved it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, this was something that was much needed. Yeah. And we all have moments of this, of these moments. And it really is just a matter of awareness around those thoughts and acknowledging those thoughts because you also don't want to suppress those yeah. thoughts. And having habitual habits that serve us mm -hmm. and feeding your soul, whatever that is, to fight, fight those, yeah. those thoughts. Because when you can create new thoughts, you can create new feelings and new feelings create new experiences. Yes. And yes. that's really when you begin to, that's when things get really exciting. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. so much fun. Yes.